Hello, everyone, and welcome to UGA Sports Rumors versus Facts. I am Blaine Gilmer here with Jed May and Trent Smallwood, and we are covering all things Georgia football, recruiting related, as always, coming off the NFL draft, which has tremendous recruiting implications because it was basically a weekend-long infomercial for Georgia and Kirby Smart's development. So, guys, uh, first off, how was both of your weekends? And then uh, let's let's get right into what this draft meant for Georgia. Good weekend. Played some golf. Didn't hurt myself again like I had before. So, you know, it was great. Can't complain. That's it. No no injuries. For no injuries. Golf. No injuries to report. That's it. That's it. The key is what was your score? That, I don't that's that's not important. You don't even keep score, do you? That's uh, yeah, that's just that's it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the weekend was good. Uh I mean I, like you said, it was filled with um announcements for, for Georgia football players going to the NFL and um you know, a record um uh, with, with the most taken and the and the most defensive taken in the first round. So it was just a big weekend for Georgia all around, especially uh, moving forward, uh, being able to uh, use that on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I mean, Kirby Smart literally got the opportunity to five different times interact with recruits after his guy had been taken in the first round. So Trayvon Walker, number one overall, you get to, you know, FaceTime guys in the green room. Hey, you know, our guy just went number one. Hey, this could be you next time. And then, oh, then it happens again at 12, and then at 22, and then at 28, and then at 32. So, you know, with those guys being out in Las Vegas and being able to communicate, and we'll go into specific guys in a little while because we got some vault questions about it. But, Trent, that's just a – I mean, you can't put a price on that. that that's that's the, the TV coverage – that they, that they got all weekend, and then the actual experience and taking advantage of that experience that Kirby Smart, Glenn Schumann, Trey Scott, and the like did. Yeah, and I think it's the, the big part is is defensive line because you're looking at uh, – uh, we always said Trey Scott needs a big, uh, a big draft because, you know, he, he's always had success, I guess, developmentally, like with Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, uh, taking those lower-ranked four-stars and uh, develop them but he never had that first round pick and now he had three of them in the same draft. So moving forward, that's going to be big with, uh, uh, you know, just that pitch because, you know, Schumann's had some, um, Georgia's had some wide receivers, Georgia's had some, uh, defensive backs, but you know, the defensive line was really a key part that was missing with those first round picks. And, uh, and, you know, Scott was, he was able to put three. No doubt, no doubt. It was it was a big night for Trey Scott and and kind of a bunch of different narratives out there about Kirby Smart and other coaches on the staff totally shattered with that night. You know, come on the heels of a national championship season. Jed, uh, I want to know your interactions just in general. We won't, we'll get into specifics in a little while. Just in general, with some guys after the draft and kind of what that meant to him. And also, I would love your opinion on uh, George. Pickens ensemble when he saw himself getting drafted. It's it's the ensemble and the posture of just like the slumped over just watch. I mean, it's incredible. It's it's one of the something, best. Something ever. about it reminded me of Squidward from Bub, SpongeBob SquarePants. I don't know the body shape. I don't know what was going yeah, on. Yeah, it was that was awesome. Um, so yeah, Pickens is probably going to go for about three touchdowns when he plays the Browns next year. That's neither here nor there. Anyway, um, yeah, and well, it's funny because about eight. You know, uh, when Jordan Davis goes about 13 the other night, I texted Jamal Jarrett and said, hey, man, I'm sure Kirby Smart and those guys are going to be hitting you up later, right? And then he responded and said, they already have. And I was like, of course. Like, you shouldn't expect anything less uh, with Kirby Smart and the guys, right? They're not going to let a single second pass um, without getting in touch with these guys. And it's like you said, Blaine, or like you posted on the vault the other night, they're FaceTiming Quay Russo in between picks from the draft. And and guys like that, I mean, it's, it's like Trent said, there's – even going back to January, all of the, the constant ESPN publicity from the playoff and then NFL Network at the Combine, and then there's so much free publicity that, is, that has flooded this program over the past four months. I mean, I don't know that any program has ever had a stretch like that 
where their name has constantly been in the limelight so much for such positive reasons. Yeah, I would love to be able to see some kind of research firm calculate how much free media that Georgia has tabulated over the last few months. The the numbers are got to be astronomical, especially with people having that that hunger for live playoffs, you know, after a year ago and, and things like that with, with COVID and everything. So it's been a, a huge wave for Georgia that they continue to ride here and specific guys that, that we'll talk about, but there's some rekindled interest in guys as well. Maybe guys who had kind of, you know, maybe not been looking at, at, at Georgia as hard. And then that you see that it's trend is just undeniable. 15 guys. I think it's somewhere between 135, $150 million worth of, of NFL contracts coming due. Not that, you know, everybody in the world is, you know, just a hundred percent dollar sign. And that's the only thing. But it's, uh, it goes a long way when you're able to say, hey, you know, I know there's NIL out there, but look, 135 to $150 million worth of contracts just signed out of 15 Georgia players that got drafted. I mean, come on. Yeah, and I think um, I think a lot of people look at uh, – you, you look at Trayvon Walker's numbers and you're like, hey, I'm kind of similar to Trayvon Walker. I don't necessarily want to be in a defense where I'm not going to get a lot of sacks or I'm not going to do this. And then all of a sudden you hear his name – uh, pop up number one in the NFL draft, and you're like, "Hey, I might want to reconsider that." So, um, I think I think there's a lot of uh, prospects out there that, that definitely will reconsider uh, uh, after that after that draft because, yeah, there's nil money and there and there's all this stuff that's going around. But you know, when when you when you can when you can preach those first round draft picks, uh, there's a lot more zeros behind the uh, dollar sign than there is in that nil money. Yeah, and and with this 2023 class specifically a lot of these guys are already like it or not folks they're already getting engaged by whether it's these collectives big time boosters whatever of throwing out there here's here's what you can here's what you could expect if you came this way that's just the way it is now so for beforehand you know Kirby Smart and and those guys probably had uh, some coach speak type stuff to say hey you know there's a whole lot more zeros and commas uh, on the other side, but now they have actual empirical data that they can go and say, hey, look at this. This is what we were able to do, plus here's what these guys did. And you remember colleges, uh, the, the staffs, they can't set up the NIL deals, but they can sure promote the NIL deals that their guys have gotten. So, you know, we say they can't set them up. We all know what's going on. But that's how, that's how um, you know, it's supposed to be done, and Georgia has that data to refer back to now so definitely a a big weekend and uh we we'll see how it all plays out you know one thing that i did want to compare that some people pointed out is georgia had 15 drafted texas had zero so if you're if you're relating everything in college football and nfl football and everything goes back to how does this impact arch manning i don't know does that impact arch man it would it would impact me if i saw the two main schools that that have supposedly, you know, supposedly looking at one gets fifteen drafted, the other gets zero. I, that that has an impact on me. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it, you would think so because we were just talking about how much free publicity Georgia got. How many times did you hear Texas's name mentioned this weekend? I mean, I watched more of the draft probably than I ever have before, and I didn't hear anything about Texas. So it, it's, and I'm sure Kirby and them. It's we don't know as much here because arch is is basically a ghost but i'm sure kirby smart and those guys were trying to get in touch with arch manning too and say hey if you're watching the draft right now you're hearing about georgia so yeah i, I think it had a big impact trent yeah yeah definitely because i mean it, and i know arch and you know they're they're a smart family they're doing the homework but that's part of the homework i mean that is that is uh, you're looking at your future and uh and I know you look at your schools, Georgia and Texas, and I know it's not the quarterback position necessarily, but Texas has zero guys going in the draft, and and that is. Uh, and I think Cincinnati had eight. I mean, you got group, and you yeah, know, I mean, that, that, that's just a Louisiana where thing. Billy Napier came from had five or six. I mean, it, it's kind of looking. At, it's not necessarily talking about the quarterback position, but it's looking at your supporting cast. What do you have around you? Is it uh, development? I mean, are, are you being developed and? Uh, one thing that showed is Georgia is developing. You know, Trayvon Walker wasn't a five-star at Rivals. He was a four-star. Um, you know, Jordan Davis, four-star. 
Um, uh, Devontae Wyatt was a three-star at one time, four-star coming out of JUCO. Um, you, this is development of four-star guys. Quay Walker's a four-star. So, uh, I mean, it showed a lot in this draft that how, how George was able to develop. You know, I, I talked about it. Uh, I told y'all, I think I wrote an article at UGA Sports about five stars under Kirby Smart. And I said, this it could change in this class, but he didn't – not one of his five stars got drafted in the first round. It was all four stars, um, I believe. So Womack says UG had more first round picks in 2022 than UT had first rounders since 2013. <laughs> so uh, that's a, that is, you know, definitely something to, to put in the, in the chamber there for, for Georgia, so to speak, when you're going and, after, um, and another you know, thing after analyzing Johnson. this arch recruitment. And, and Jermaine Johnson, it, it was basically, you know, developed by Georgia and, and spent his last year at Florida state because he wanted to be able to rush the pastor a little more because of the guys Georgia had on campus and one of the guys he transferred because of is Adam Anderson, who also could have had his name called on day one if he wasn't going through all the uh, legal issues. So <laughs> it was a big day. Uh, Brett Weimer asks, how much of this publicity will be outdone by NIL deals that are going on? Brett, I think uh, this is the best possible. There is no school that has a better counter to the NIL than what Georgia just had. Uh, it, it's it's unbelievably impressive. I mean that that is a, if there's anything that can neutralize some of these mega NIL deals that are going on out there, then Georgia just did it this past weekend. So that is uh, that is kind of our news notes recap version there of an NFL draft, and we're going to have more specific things come out of it here um, as we get to our vault questions. If you're on YouTube, uh, go ahead and. Give us, give us your questions if you're not a member of the UGA Vault and have already submitted yours over there. Also, while you're here, this channel just keeps growing, guys, and that's because of you. We appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate you uh, you know, interacting with us here. We love to answer questions. We love to have kind of some banter about recruiting. It's great stuff. So do us a favor, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Also, uh, hit the like button. That greatly helps us share it on social media. Really appreciate you guys doing that. So without further ado, Jed, we're going to start it off here uh, with our vault questions. Yeah, this says uh, from Jay Doggy, can you guys name a player or two that the NFL draft had a heavy influence on for UGA's benefit? Yeah, I mean, we uh, we as a staff kind of went around and and made the round, so to speak, talking uh, to guys. Jed, you already mentioned Jamal Jarrett, and I I I didn't know you were already. I had texted him that night too, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, uh, Kirby and Schumann hit me up as the as the first round was going on." Uh, another guy, a couple guys that they did that with. I know they were in contact with Jaden Wayne during the draft. Obviously, you know Trayvon Walker, a very similar. Type, uh, type player there uh, so they could say, hey, he went number one. That's a guy, C.J. Allen, they were in contact with, Samuel and Pimba. So, you know, the the defensive side of the ball, Trent, that was highlighted in the first round, they were contacting those guys. Quay Russell, they were going right down the list uh, and in the green room there saying, hey, look what we're doing right now. Oh, yeah, I bet there was a lot of pre-written text going into this. Uh uh, I bet they were well prepared because, I mean, you, you knew Trayvon was going to go high. I mean, you knew Jordan Davis was likely going to go in the first round. Some of the other guys, you were more question marks around. But I bet they had a lot of, uh, you know, pre-written texts to guys saying, hey, uh, what is better, uh, better way to uh, send it out than in the green room itself? You know, FaceTiming those guys from the room itself, from uh, saying, hey, this could be you in three or four years. I, I mean, that – and I, you know we talk about nil, and that, that's important. But you know this is this is another level. And like you said, that that very well could offset. If anything can offset nil, what Georgia did this weekend could. We need shirts that say nil because I like like and say it in a certain way because Trent's the only person I know that refers to it as nil instead of the letters nil. I love it. I love it. Hey, I love it's it. nil. I'm going arch. I'm going all crazy today. <laughs> That's it. We we need we need to come up with some kind of way to phonetically spell out nil and put it on a shirt. I'm sure that people at UGA it, Sports it nil zero. It was what, what the yeah. We just zero. put a big zero on there. Zero. <laughs> How many? <laughs> and then and then put a zero. It could have it could be a double entendre there. Have all kinds of meanings. But no, we're uh it's, it's good stuff when it comes to, you know, in the green room there. I mean, I can't imagine B 
being a high school student, right? A high school student athlete. And all of a sudden I'm watching the NFL draft. I see Kirby smart, pat his guy on the back. And five seconds later, when his guy walks to the stage, he's FaceTiming me. I mean, that would be, that would be a surreal deal if you're recruiting it. And it has to be impactful, Jed. I mean, that has to be something that, that, you know, you're like, Oh, this guy took the time out of, of one of the happiest moments, not only of his player's life, but this is one of the happiest moments of coaches' lives, right? Seeing their players fulfill their ultimate dream, and yet they're already thinking about the next wave of players as well. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. And we were talking about how impressive it is for these recruits to to see what's going on at the draft and stuff. It, it means something to those guys because, like you said, think of Trey Scott, and he, he discovers Jordan Davis in North Carolina, and he's coached him for four years from – you know, uh, a lower four star on our rankings too at the twelfth or thirteenth pick of the draft. Trey Scott does that; that journey's complete, and then he's instantly hitting up Jamal Jarrett, saying, "Hey, you could be next." I mean, that means a lot to those guys when to hear that kind of thing from these coaches. And um, yeah, it's it's one of those weekends where a lot of needles get moved and a lot of pitches get made, and a lot of like Trent said, a lot of pre written text gets sent with the with the graphics. And how I many how many times have y'all seen those graphics? You know, the most players ever drafted. How many times have you seen those this weekend? Because they sent them out to, I think, every recruit under the, under the sun just to get that point across. No, no doubt. And, you know, when it comes down to other guys, before we go on our next question that, that were affected, two guys that Georgia's kind of rekindled uh, that's either mutual, that their interest has been rekindled in Georgia. Georgia has reached out a little bit harder, especially after this draft. Nichols Harbor, Neo Avery. Those are two guys you need to keep an eye on. Neo Avery was at one point quarterback slash tight end. Now he's looking to play the defensive side of the ball. Who knows? Tranny may have seen those uh, contract numbers and been like, hey, there's a lot more guys playing uh, defense, and there's only one quarterback on the field. So I'm going to use my, you know, six foot five frame and go over there to that to that side. So Nichols Harbor, though, I've I put out there today that. Listen, I know all the stuff going on with Adam Anderson, but it doesn't change the stuff that that when Adam Anderson came out of high school, he's one of the freakiest athletes that people had seen, right? I mean, he's just an unbelievable uh, athlete. Nicholas Harbor may be an even more elite athlete. I mean, the, the man is six foot five, two hundred twenty five to two hundred thirty pounds, runs ten three in the hundred. That is flying, Trent. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really unheard of from a from a guy that size and. You know, and Kirby and companies had success with that with the edge, and I know they didn't necessarily put anybody in the draft uh, this time with with edge guys, but still, uh, that. They, well, I mean, Trayvon, I think is going to play more edge yeah. in, in the NFL. But but as far as uh, you know, like outside linebacker Jack uh, or or like Adam Anderson type, but uh, they have had success, you know, before. You know, they had Lorenzo Carter and and, and Bellamy and all them guys go out and, um, but yeah, I. I just uh harbor harbor is a freak athlete just turn on the film and watch him and you uh, a guy at six foot five you know 225 230 should not be running that fast it's just uh uh yeah he's just a freak athlete yeah so that lots of guys interests were peaked uh you know especially we put out a note you know samuel and pimba guy at img academy he's played both sides of the ball really uh, was you know very highly sought after a tight end too, but now he's looking to make that transition. So it seems like it's more in vogue to play that edge defender. And uh, Georgia and Coach Uzo Deribe very much so taking advantage of that, trying to get involved. So I definitely think it moved the needle with a lot of guys. This one's pretty fun, Jed. I'm going to let you answer it. What's up, dog? Is Bulldog Bob, also known as Jim Donnan. I'm going to refrain from answering because <laughs> I, I can honestly tell you that I don't even know, uh, but I, yeah, I highly doubt it's Jim Dunnan. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I don't listen Jim to Bulldog Dunnan. Bob remains a mystery. Okay? I do know one thing when Bulldog Bob pops on the uh, the vault like you did a couple weekends ago after G Day, then you pay attention because that's the first time in working here I'd seen Bulldog Bob pop on the recruiting board for a post of his own. So and, and Jim, Donnan, Jim Donnan struggles to you know to, to get on there and he, he don't want to type I promise you that <laughs> yeah he, he, said, he said he don't even like to read that crap <laughs> exactly exactly so we're lucky we're lucky old uh, ball coach gets on with uh, Roddy and Dane every every uh, Tuesday which by the way tune in to this channel tomorrow uh coach Donnan 
and Dane and Roddy, I'm sure, will be talking about all the breakdown of the NFL draft and everything that transpired there. Next question we have is from Sandbar Bathroom. What's the evaluation on Rico Flores? Seems like a high floor type. Well, lucky you should say that. I'm going to ask about the evaluation. I'm going to put the Rico Flores film on for us here. So as this kind of plays, Trent, you know, when you're looking at these these receivers, this is a guy who, um, and if I can actually get it on the screen here, there we go. This is a guy who he does stuff, as you can see early on in this film, in the return game. He's a very smooth route runner. He kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, of Dom Blaylock coming out of high school. Like he's that, that, that smooth guy, probably more athletic than he maybe looks immediately on, on the hoof and, and just finds a way. Like when he's running this post route right here, that looks like Dom Blaylock versus Auburn to me. I mean, you know, I mean, he's a guy who can – who can take it over the top, but he's just a smooth football player, it seems like. Yeah, uh, it looks like he has uh, – he's quick out of his breaks. He's uh, – I mean, he can obviously catch. Um, but, yeah, he is very similar to Dom. It looks like he might have a little bit more explosiveness than, uh, than Dom because Dom was never the fastest guy. He was just uh, – That's why I said smooth operator. Yeah. Like, it seems like their hips are very fluid. They get in and out of breaks, like you said. But this guy does have some uh, some straight-line uh, getaway that, that Dom – like I said, at, Dom didn't look like that all the time out of high school. But in college, continually, Dom would find himself in that freshman year, especially getting behind the defense. So, I think yeah. uh, that, that's something these guys share. Well, that's what you – and we, we always talk about, you know, there's track speed and there's football uh, speed and – and Dom's one of those guys that could create separation similar uh, to what I'm seeing here. You can create separation. You look, a, I mean, you, you look a whole lot faster than you are. You can, you can burn a four, three corner uh, if you're able, if you're an elite route runner and you're smooth in your breaks. So um, yeah, he, he, he definitely a uh, great route runner. Um, not afraid to catch the ball over the middle either. Yeah. So when, when you're talking about a guy that uh, when the question said, uh, the question said high floor right there. I think that's a great characteristic of, of him because you're able to, you know, probably a lot of these guys with the way they train now, Trent, and, and as experienced they are with the seven on sevens and all that, it just seems like these guys are, are ready, especially from the production standpoint as a receiver earlier. Yeah. And with, with his uh, route running, <clears throat> that that's what made Dom uh, able to play as a freshman. So you, you're looking at more of a high floor and high ceiling guy because you're you got a guy who can play immediately and you got a guy who can um, you know really turn into something special when he get on campus. So uh, I think if if Dom wouldn't have had the knee injury uh, that set him back and then you know a, another and uh, I think Dom would have you know he was on his way to have a a big career and and you know Flores could be somewhere to that. Jed, you spoke to Flores, so tell us you know what. What's kind of the latest in his recruitment? How uh, what's his feelings towards UGA right now? Yeah, I mean Georgia's right in it. I mean, I was honestly when he dropped that top five uh, back in February, Georgia was a little bit of a not shocking ad, but I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. But yeah, he got up he, first time uh, with Brian McClendon in person. They watched film and kind of went down over um, you know a lot of that little stuff y'all were just talking about. McClendon gave him some tips on route running and, and things he could do better there. Um, and, and the centerpiece of McClendon's pitch is basically, look, we're, we're low at receiver. We're, we're going to have guys leaving the program. You have a chance to come in and, and play right away as a freshman. That's kind of the centerpiece um, of McClendon's pitch right now. So Georgia's in it. Um, Ohio State and Notre Dame are two other programs up at the top, which obviously Ohio State, speaking of what Georgia did at the draft, what Ohio State did having – At the receiver yeah, position. Wilson Olave and then and then Jameson Williams, you know, former Ohio State guy, was also very impressive to those guys. So, um, But, yeah, Georgia's right in it. He's coming back for an official, I believe, June 17th weekend is what he told me. And then um, he's committing on July 3rd. So uh, Georgia's right in it. I mean, they, I, he's got the top five. I think George – personally, I think Georgia is kind of in the upper – group of that and then we'll see how they uh see how the official goes and if they can lock it down and speaking of officials we uh, i don't know if we mentioned earlier that uh jamal jarrett he's coming the 10th to the 12th of june so 
uh, we started to learn some of these official visits. Of course, we've known for a while that C.J. Allen and, and Justice Haynes, those guys are coming the first weekend in June, the 3rd through the 5th. So keep your eyes peeled for that over at the vault. That's another reason to be a subscriber to UGASports.com. We have to fill you in when those official visits are taking place and and all of those good things kind of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, and, you know, posted a, that, that note today on uh, Nichols Harbor and on Neo Avery. So lots of good reasons to be over there. And one of our favorite people over there, Jed, is Scuffletown Dog. Old Scuff. When when we, Georgia, get Arch, who do you think might join them? You can go Disney Dog for a few minutes. It will not be held against you by me. Trent, you want to go Disney Dog? <laughs> Trent doesn't have to go. He's already there. Trent's already predicted Arch three separate times to Georgia. So uh, on these on this oh, very program, wait, I haven't put my future cast in yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Trent's got to go drop that future cast for Arch real quick. No, but you know when it's it, so Scuffleton says when we Georgia get Arch, do you who do you think might join him? You know, guys like Justice Haynes and Arch Manning are really good friends, and although Justice Haynes is you know, presume Georgia. I will tell you for a fact that there were schools as of a couple of weeks ago really leaning on him, trying to make him make decisions. But that would just be icing on the cake if they could get Arch first, maybe. Because guys, we keep hearing that May, sometime in sometime this month, the decision could come. I mean, just out of the blue, nowhere. But it is a very, very closely protected recruitment. But guys like Justice Haynes, guys like uh in the 2024 class, uh, K.J. Bolden is looking at what Arch Manning's doing. Hakeem Williams, a receiver in this class, already is loving Georgia. He could be a guy that comes in into line. Heck, guys on defense. It may put the guys on defense over the top, like Tamari and Parker and people like that who are close just because they – they. it is a movement. I told people – I explained to somebody uh, the other day – it's like Hulkamania, right? Okay. Hulk, Hulk Hogan may have not been the best on uh, in-ring wrestler of all time, but that movement is like unmatched. There was a whole thing behind it. Archman is the same thing. Who knows if he's better than a Dylan Rowler or something like that, but nobody else has that same hype around him that Archman does for sure. Yeah, and uh, elite guys want to play with elite guys, and a lot has changed in this, you know, with, with this 7-on-7 all these guys know each other. I mean, they're traveling and playing against each other and going to camps with each other. And I mean, these guys know each other. I, I, I've never seen like a group, a group of kids from Georgia uh, go down to Florida and uh, you know, and they're talking like their best friends. They just, you know, they know each other. I mean, they're, they're and not only are they, I guess, uh, uh, seeing each other at these camps, but they're also talking on the phone, uh, planning visits together, doing stuff like that. So, uh, Elite guys want to play with elite guys, and I think you're seeing, um, you, you know, uh, you, you see Georgia land a lot of these guys, and yes, a lot to do with Kirby Smart and his staff with the relent, relentless uh, attitude on the recruiting trail, but also a lot has to do with, uh, you know, elite players want to play with elite players, and uh, Arch Manning, that's no different. Uh, he's going to bring in talent with his name and with his number one ranking and his, you know, his talent at the quarterback position. He, people are going to want to play with him. People wanted to play with Jake Fromm when he came to Georgia. You see the haul he brought in with him. It's no different uh, with Arch Manning. It's probably a little, it's a little different because there's probably a little more uh, nationwide. Uh, but yeah, uh, you, you're going to see you're going to see guys follow, uh, and it, this could stem all the way to the 25 class. This is not just 23, 24, 25. You're going to see it stem for the next three classes if George is able to uh, to land him. I mean, Jed, you know, you also have to look too at guys who are being closely recruited by Texas as well, like uh, Reuben Owens and TJ Shanahan, right? Because yeah. if Arch were to pull the trigger to come to Georgia, they may say, well, hold on now. I know that I'm a, I'm in the state of Texas over here, but that may look a whole lot more appealing now. Well, what's Texas pitch? Hey, you come be our first draft pick in three years. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I think that's the question with Arch because like, okay, Justice Haynes, Georgia has – Georgia feels good about Justice Haynes. Hakeem Williams, Georgia feels pretty good about Hakeem Williams. It's the guys that Georgia isn't necessarily – not not in it, but but like Ruben Owens. If Ruben Owens committed tomorrow, I wouldn't say it was Georgia. But 
does that change things? Does Georgia get back in it with those Brandon Innes and Santana Flemings of the world if, if Arch were to commit? TJ Shanahan, guys like that. Um, that, I think, is even offensive linemen. I mean, we, we've talked about offensive linemen recruiting on this show. Does that draw in a Caden Proctor type to want to come block for Arch or something like that? So I think those are the questions that you really start to look at. Should Arch commit? Who then starts to come to Athens for visits? Who starts to plan these officials? Who, who does Arch generate buzz from that there maybe hadn't been before? Deuce Robinson. Do, yeah. Deuce Robinson yeah. could be a guy. You talk about Madden Sanker, right? Madden Sanker at one point was looked to be like a Georgia lock, you know, but now heavily recruited by Miami, by Michigan State, by a lot of, a lot of programs, North Carolina, that are mm-hmm. out there. But if Arch were to pull the trigger this month, and come Madden, Madden Sanger would say, well, you know, might as well just stay home and uh, and and do something like that. So it could have an impact on a ton of guys. Uh, the fact is that recruitment, not necessarily like, listen, Arch is the number one overall player in the class. I think that's a warranted ranking. I think he's a very, very good player. Do I know if do I know if he's the the best quarterback prospect that you know, I've seen in the last 20 years or anything, I'm not ready to say that yet, but is he the most unique in terms of the, the set of circumstances and the, the, uh, everything that comes around arch? Yeah, it's totally, totally different. And if, if, if people don't get that in this, this day and age of marketing NIL and everything that goes on around it, it is a unique opportunity that some school is going to have a cash cow on their hands pretty much because you talk about TV ratings, you talk about the primetime games, you talk about being able to sell certain sponsorships. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It, it, the, the different kind of tentacles that'll have outside of what happens between the white lines guys. So that's uh, definitely something that everybody, and by the way, that Hulkamania thing I just said, I've got, we got a, can we will we get sued if we make like Archermania shirts and put them in the Hulk in, the, in that same font, but like put it in like red and black with white? I think uh, if he commits to Georgia, we got to do that. Maybe we could work. Maybe we could collaborate with Arch on the on the on the money on that deal. Who knows? I can see it now. Uh, ESPN game day guest speaker, uh, Peyton Manning, ESPN guest speaker, uh, Eli Manning. I mean, you, you're just going to draw it all from different angles. Uh, you get yeah. Kirby to wear an Archimania shirt and just rip it like Hulk Hogan used to down the middle. I mean, goodness and, gracious. And on the back, <laughs> and on the back, say nil with a big zero. <laughs> <laughs> we we got to trademark it. We got to stop talking about it. People are still the idea. Oh, man, that's good stuff. All right, Pollock 47, Jen. Yep, saw an article today about Kirby having an open-door policy with NFL personnel and how that was uncommon for many schools. Why would coaches not have that policy? Yeah, some some coaches probably worried a little bit about maybe insecure about their program or something like that. Of how, you know, because coaches talk, they're like, oh, well, guess what? Kirby has zero craps given about what any of those guys think of, of his program. So why not? Hey, come on in if you want to. You know, and all that does is help uh, establish that relationship that's already really good. I mean, you saw what the Green Bay general manager, I think it was, uh, said when people asked him, hey, why do you draft so many Georgia Bulldogs? He said that is as close of an environment as you'll come to to an NFL franchise. That's, that's, that's what came out of his mouth. And, you know, they certainly believe that. They drafted Eric Stokes in the first round, drafted Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt in the first round. So, honestly, they believe that. But, Trent, I mean, can you think of any other – uh, reason why other schools may not have that policy? No, I mean, I, I know that, uh, you know, a head coach at, at a college team is uh, very, uh, I mean, their time is, is all, uh, you know, they don't have much time in a day, but Kirby, Kirby is one of those ones that, you know, he, he works and don't sleep. I don't think, or he might sleep in his office. I'm not sure. But, uh, I mean, he, he's willing to talk to anybody at any time, and, and that's just, you know, the type of guy, he's football 24-7, and uh, I guess that's what you sacrifice of being a head coach, but some head coaches don't see it that way. Some head coaches are more, um, uh, you know, family-oriented oriented, or, you know, there's time when I have to, you know, my office hours are this, I got to cut off the phone at this. But, uh, but you know, Kirby works. Kirby, that's just one thing about Kirby is, is he is constantly working. He's constantly recruiting. He's constantly talking to NFL uh, reps. I mean, he, he's just 
100% football. And, uh, and you know, I, I think at any given day, and I, I wouldn't think he, he would ever leave Georgia or anytime soon, but so, uh, NFL GM would give him opportunity to coach at the next level if, if he wanted to do that. And uh, because he is well respected among the, uh, you know, NFL uh, franchises. Yeah. And I think Kirby would be better prepared than, uh, a, than even a Spurrier or a Saban were because college football is so much more similar to the NFL than it, than it used to be when those guys tried to make the jump. Yep. And, uh, I mean, you see Belichick's all Belichick's always, uh, is at Georgia's pro day and, and, you know, him and Kirby are, uh, that they talk and then you see the relationship they've, they've built with green Bay. Um, how, how, you know, they, they feel like Georgia's program is the closest thing to the NFL when it comes to uh, practices and uh, development and stuff like that. So, um, you know, he's just he's just building these relationships up, and it's it's not necessarily him looking for a job. It's just you know his work ethic. You know, his work ethic on uh, developing his players, his work ethic recruiting, and his work ethic getting his players uh, ready to uh, you know do what they did this past weekend and and, and have fifteen guys drafted. I mean, it's kind of like our own, you know, Jed May's work ethic. He gets already promoted to national analyst today. So we got Jed. He's he's working with the the nat, the big rivals now. Not just UGA. Jed's gonna be Jed's worldwide now. He's going all now, over the place. It's we got we gotta have a nickname for Jed. Like, uh, I mean, I don't even know. Neil. Neil. Big Neil. <laughs> big Neil. <laughs> big Neil. Jed. Big Neil. No, so we're uh, Jed's gonna be going all over the state of Georgia. Uh, speaking of working hard, guys, and, you know, being basically an expert on Georgia high school football, and that'll uh, help our coverage here at UGA Sports even more. So big news, and congratulations, Jed. If I had, like, the the fancy applause thing, you know, rigged up on my board here, I'd play you the, the fake applause, man, but that's awesome. I can imagine it. Um, you know, we got to <laughs> – Off clap. When, uh, when, when Ronnie doesn't pay you, you got to do something to pay the bills, so. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, That's when, it. The, when the national desk comes calling, you you just got to pick up the phone. You're like, I'm tired of eating ramen noodles. Got to do something here. As so. long as I'm invited on the Vegas trips, I don't care. Vegas trip will work for booze, is what Jed said. <laughs> no, but that's good stuff, man. Congratulations on that. Now we got Harley Dog eighty. How much of an impression did the draft make on 23 and 24 recruits? Any future casts coming our way with one, two, three, four exclamation points. Very future, future cast. I mean, the future cast that I think, you know, that, that we've had in there for, for a while, uh, I think are sufficient for, for the time being. But once I think you'll see some more future cast start rolling in once we get towards that first weekend in June, official visits coming out. A lot of those guys are going to have – Georgia's going to have that first crack, really, at the official visits because not many guys take those official visits in April or May, you know, like uh, like Justin Rett did back for G-Day and, and things like that. So I think that's when you'll see that new wave of official visits uh, coming coming through. But we've already talked in, in length about the 2023 and 2024 recruits that were impressed by the draft. I just really don't think that there's there literally I would venture to say if I had to put a number on it, I would say of the three, four and five star recruits out there, I would say probably 85 to 90 percent watched the NFL draft or at least the first round. So that's why I'm saying that coverage was invaluable. Yeah, I mean, and you see all the highlights and and hear from all those guys. Even with with Kirby and Kobe Dean on on first take, I guess it was Thursday morning, like stuff like that. When you have an event like the draft, that you you don't get during the season or or even during the off season outside of the draft, all that stuff um, just adds up to a. I mean, you couldn't. We were talking earlier. If you could put a number, on, I don't think you can buy just all the positive press. That, that Georgia has gotten from all these programs or from all these, you know, all this media coverage over the past few months. I mean, Trent Kirby smart had the King of hyperbole, Stephen A. Smith called him one of the greatest college football coaches of all time, sitting on stage beside Nicobe Dean, who very unceremoniously fell to the third round. But I mean, you know, there's a reason Stephen A. Smith gets paid 
buckets of money by ESPN. I mean, people warranted or not, people listen to that stuff and guys saying, you know what? Maybe Kirby Smart is one of the greatest football coaches of all time. I mean, that's that's just the kind of stuff that you can't script, you can't you can't pay for, like Jed was saying. Definitely. And the two things that you heard kind of coming into this past season was 1980, Georgia couldn't win a national championship, and Kirby Smart doesn't develop his players. And I think both of those have been put to, uh, you know, kind of – you can't really talk about that anymore because, uh, obviously, what Georgia's achieved in the past three or four months is, uh, you know, um, records. Uh, it's it's um, – and just the – you know, the all, all of the people, you know, Stephen A. and then – uh, you, you heard it all on draft night and, uh, you know, Mel Kuyper and all. I mean, and those guys are just raving about Kirby, raving about Georgia's program. And it's just, uh, you know, uh, if, you're, if you're a junior, senior in high school or you're rising junior, senior high school and you're listening to this and you're saying, golly, I mean, uh, uh, I need I need to go check out this program. Even if you haven't, you know, visited Georgia, it's just it's just the, you know, the the constant praise George is receiving is, is, is only going to help Kirby and Kirby didn't need much help. So. No, they, I mean, when you talk about um, narratives getting buried, the only thing that got buried worse on the weekend was Mel Kuyper jr. By Twitter and by Booger McFarlane, because literally one of the worst things, one of the funniest things that happened on the draft guys was they were talking about Quay Walker, right? <laughs> and, and Mel Kuyper goes on this rant. Oh, Green Bay reached for Quay Walker, and then Booger follows it up five seconds later. I think I think Quay Walker could be a Hall of Famer before his career is over. <laughs> I'm like, there is great chemistry and consistency going on here with ESPN. So uh, that was that was always fun stuff. But you could really tell, I think, that Mel Kiper Jr. didn't watch a Georgia game all year. Oh, like, yeah, and I think I think what uh, I think there's a lot of people that they get those drafts like you know i'm not saying mel copper juniors one but are, are just stat watchers um you look at trayvon walker's stats and you're like how could he ever get um uh drafted ahead of uh hutchinson uh, you know i you know you just looking at stats um yeah obviously uh Tray trayvon walker shouldn't have been number one pick but if you're looking at uh you know a program evaluating upside and your ceiling and uh just uh your your pure athleticism and and what you showed Trayvon Walker is a much better player uh if it when it comes to that so his upside is much higher and uh and I don't think I think a lot of I think there's a lot of stat watchers out there that uh you know saw Quay Walker and saw and it's like why ain't Kobe Dean get drafted that high but you know Quay Walker is 6'2 and 235 240 pound whatever he is and much better size what you're looking for in uh in nfl and um you know he, he uh his combine numbers wasn't bad either so um i think just a lot of stat watchers you you see uh on espn sometimes yeah and and these guys that we talked to and pimba when i talked to him talked to cj allen talked to Jaden wayne that was a point that all those guys made is that one reason these Georgia guys are so successful is because of who they compete against every day in practice. And that's that's something that doesn't show up in the stat sheet, as you pointed out. And that is one of the reasons that Trayvon Walker got drafted number one overall. So it is uh, definitely good times for Georgia football recruiting as we head towards official visits. Um, like I said, Justice Haynes, C.J. Allen – uh, those guys coming in town for that first that first weekend, Jamal Jarrett, the 10th through the 12th. Um, Jed, who was it? Uh, uh, Rico Flores, I think the weekend of the, the 17th will, will be there. So a lot of guys already kind of making their plans. Caleb Downs, I believe, has scheduled his as well. First weekend of June, yep, third through the third through the fifth, I think. Whatever third through the fifth, weekend. so Downs will be there as well. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how. All those guys play out. Um, if you have any questions, we'll stay on here for another couple minutes. If you got any questions on YouTube, you can go ahead and throw them our way. Any recruiting-related questions, we'd be we'd be happy to answer them. But Jed, uh, while we're 
waiting to see if any of those come in. Go ahead and give the guys a preview of what's going to be coming up on the UGA Sports Vault, uh, some pieces we got working on, things like that. Yeah, we had some stories uh, today. I spoke with a young man who I don't want to butcher his name. Let me read it. Adapoju Adabaware from uh, North Kansas City, an edge, a four-star 23 guy. Uh, he visited for G-Day, um, talked to him, and you know really likes Coach Uzo Driva. He's another one of those guys that's coming back for an official um, in June, I believe, also at the weekend of the oh. 17th. So he's a name to watch. And, um, yeah, tomorrow going to South Paulding, see Madden Sanker and uh, Jamarian Wilcox. And then Wednesday going to Milton, seeing Bryce Thorne. Bryce Thorne's got UGA in his top five. That could be another guy that, you know, they could theoretically order for. Robert Billings as well. So, um, yeah, just like, like I say every week, if you're not following, if you're not on the vault already, then then I, I just can't help you. Yeah, and Robert Robert Billings was one of the guys that I put in the Dirty Dozen as uh, mm-hmm. a new kind of feature that we have over as, as guys who are three stars or under, who are just really good cultural fits and guys who George is high on and could end up actually signing in this class. Of course, a couple of commits that they have that kind of fit that bill already is Lawson Lucky and Seven Cloud that are that are on that list. Uh, Jamarian Harkless is on that list. You know, lots of lots of guys, Robert Billings, and even a couple of quarterbacks. Uh, you know, what happens if Georgia does miss on Arch Manning? Well, a lot of these high-profile 2023 guys are going to be gone, but guys like Tyler Jefferson and Kaysen Wiseman are going to be there. Does Georgia circle back around and, you know, ex- extend a uh, extend an offer there to one of those guys who are both tough as nails, dual-threat guys, uh, have, have good arms? So it'll be interesting to see. But I think we've got – one from Stet's flip phone here. I've seen our, uh, Eric Gilbert already projected as a top five pick for next year's draft. What's y'all's thoughts on that? I think that Eric Gilbert is supremely talented, but let's let him actually make it through a football season before we put – I feel like life is about managing expectations, whether that's marriage, whether that's at work, whether that's whatever – managing expectations right and i feel like that is an unfair thing to put on that kid right now trent your thoughts i think if you're looking at top five pick he's on the defensive line and not necessarily offense um he with what georgia just did um but you know gilbert has first round potential there's no doubt about it um he showed that at lsu as a freshman but taking a year off uh, from football and uh you know what have we seen of of gilbert to this point we've seen the spring game that's, that's pretty much it so to project him as a top five pick would be pretty tough right now but um is the potential there of course uh he's he's got loads of potential um him and brock bowers could absolutely just terrorize defenses next year um and i think that's why georgia will be right back in the hunt for uh sec championship and, and playoffs next year um but to to put him as a top five pick right now, I think that's a little uh, reach at this point. I I agree. I mean, you got to think – hold on, before I get to this question, you got to think, N'Kobe Dean, who is literally one of the best football – pure football players I've I've seen for the University of Georgia and is unbelievable off the field and engineer in school. I mean, they do so much research and find little nitpick things. There's a lot in that background there that that could – you know, shy people away from a top five pick. All right, a cat dog. Any idea why Jamari Sawyer gets drafted so late when he manhandled Aiden Hutchinson and then threw him around like a rag doll? Uh, for sure, that that video kind of went viral there on that specific play. But Jed, you know, I mean, Jed and Trent, whoever wants to answer, I, I feel like maybe the body type of Jamari, you know, isn't exactly screaming. Hey, this is a stud NFL tackle. Yeah, I think it's intangibles. You look, you're looking at. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have the length of Isaiah Wynn. So um, you're looking at a different type uh, prospect. You're looking at a pure interior guy who didn't have a lot of uh, film in, in college and uh, in the interior. Yes, he dominated Hutchinson, but how much? Um, what, how much of a role would that play at uh, in, in NFL? I'm not sure any because uh, he, he's going to be here. Now, with that being said, I think Jamar Sawyer is a still in the sixth round. Uh, I think he mm-hmm. could have a very good NFL career. Um, he, he's, he is very good, um, but at the same time, uh, 
these NFL guys are looking at intangibles, and that's one of the big things uh, we look at with Quay Walker, um, just just his pure uh, size and athleticism and uh, stuff like that. So uh, Lewis Seen's another one. You know, he – he wasn't great in coverage, but just look at look at the size and look at the speed, look at the closing speed, and look at his ability to hit. Um, that's what they look at more. And uh, Jamar Salyer just doesn't have that right now, and, or it doesn't have that uh, doesn't have the length to play tackle, and uh, he doesn't really have the body type uh, to play uh, on the outside. So you're looking at offensive guard, and um, you know he's he, maybe he can prove some doubters wrong. Jed, you do more team coverage than in both uh, Trent and I in terms of during the week. It always seemed like Jamari Sawyer was kind of on that that injured list as well throughout the week too. I mean, he was banged up a lot in in uh, in college, missed some missed some time. So the medical could have could have played a part in that as well. Yeah, and and that's I mean, perfect example. You just mentioned to Kobe is that's a big reason why he fell the injury he had. But it seems like because like Trent said, did I expect Jamari Sawyer to go in the first two rounds? No. But to have him go in the sixth round with with what he was able to do in college, I mean, all those picks the Falcons had, I mean, ha- Lord knows how bad the Falcons just needed interior line help. So you would – I personally thought he would have been a perfect pick for the Falcons in the fifth round as a guy with big upside um, if you develop him a guard. And they, they, did, they did go with Justin Schaefer and obviously another guy who uh, played in Athens. But I don't know, man, I – I don't have the I, either. I'm not smart enough to be an NFL GM, or I'm too smart to be an NFL GM. I don't if, know you, if you'd have told me Justin Schaefer would have went before Jamari Sawyer, I'd have called you an yeah. idiot. Um, exactly. You'd have told me that the Falcons would have drafted an inside linebacker a couple picks before Nicobe Dean got picked, and they picked some guy from like Montana East Technical College or something like that. I mean. Good Lord, I don't know that 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 kid may end up being an All Pro, whoever he is. I I don't follow the the names closely if it's not a, a Georgia name per, pertaining to what we're doing over here at UGASports.com. But it, it's man, almost like, that was almost like the Falcons uh, came back, uh, you know, the sixth and seventh round and drafted two two Georgia guys just to men yeah. uh, things. They Bay saw had, they saw season ticket sales getting pulled right and left, and they were like, "Well, we got to stop the bleeding." Well, here. they had that tweet. I don't know if it was for Fitzpatrick or Schaefer. It was like, yeah, we got ourselves a couple dogs. And it's like, yeah, but not the one everyone was screaming for you to get. <laughs> like, yeah, that yeah. You slept you, on a Friday night saying however, how pissed everyone was, and then they came back and got uh, Fitzpatrick and Schaefer on, on day you three. Met, you missed the dogs in the third and fourth round, but you settled yeah, for the one. Exactly. Don't worry. Exactly. They're going to go out and get Jake Fromm in free agency. <laughs> really make people happy. That'll <laughs> That'll be that'll be what what goes on there. But uh, guys, this has been a great show. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Like I said, hit that subscribe button, turn on notifications, give us a like, share on social media. We'll have the podcast up tomorrow for Jed May and Trent Smallwood. I am Blaine Gilmer. We'll catch you next Monday night on UJ Sports Rumors versus Facts. <laughs>